So far we've been looking at a lot of court cases, but this week we're asking the question, do we have to go to court? And we'll be addressing that through the case study of Wheelerhand versus the City of Casey. Now this is a Victorian case. It's also known as Brooklyn Greens and involves a housing development in uh, Cranbourne in Victoria. This uh, example is a bit different from the others that we've looked at because it's what we call a class action for compensation. So here we have an affected group of residents who are taking action against a local council and the Victorian Environment Protection Authority for compensation for harm suffered from uh, housing development adjacent to a former landfill site. We're going to tease out some of the issues with this case and look at how it's been dealt with as a um, settlement using alternate dispute resolution mechanisms rather than an adversarial court hearing. So what's the issue? Well, the issue has to do with methane gas dangerous methane gas concentrations in particular in the houses and in the yards of the houses that um, of affected residents in the Brooklyn Greens housing development. We're talking about concentrations of up to 65% of methane gas in some instances. And just to put some put that into perspective, five to fifteen percent of methane gas concentrations are considered to be an explosion risk. Now to give you a bit of context on this um, this issue, the Brooklyn Greens housing development, which is what sits behind the case Willahan versus the city of Casey, there's a news item which is a YouTube clip from the ABC News and it provides some broader context. You'll find that on slide number three and there's a link there to that. So uh, it's good if you go and watch that to get a bit of background. Essentially the affected residents are claiming that council was negligent in their management of the housing development. Now the management of former landfill sites are a common challenge for local governments across Australia. This is for a number of reasons. In the past, uh, rubbish disposal was subject to lower standards than what are expected now. At the time, a lot of these landfill sites were originally created. They were away from the urban areas, but of course, urban areas have expanded and now we find that these historic landfill sites are uh, directly adjacent to residential development areas. Fundamentally, you have incompatible land uses, residential housing development, and uh, urban waste disposal butting up against each other. 
What are the legal issues being raised in this case study? Well, we're dealing with the law of negligence in this instance and the, um, the legal proposition is that the affected residents are intending to sue the council and the Environment Protection Authority for compensation. Now, we're not going to go into a detailed analysis of the law of negligence because it's not really relevant to this unit. And like I said at the start, with this Brooklyn Greens case study, we're exploring the question, do you have to go to court to resolve a land use dispute? Because ultimately, with this, in this instance, the case was not resolved in a court. It was resolved in an out-of-court settlement using alternative dispute resolution mechanisms. But the court still had a function, and we'll explore that as well a little bit later. Now this case um, is one that's documented. We know that it's documented because we have a case reference. This is unusual for a case that didn't go to court. Uh, and unusual for an alternative dispute resolution, which is usually um, something that is maintains confidential between the parties to the resolution. But nevertheless, and for reasons which we will explain a little bit later, we do have a case reference and the settlement is documented. On slide four, you'll see the full case name, which is Wheelerhan and another versus the city of Casey and others from 2011. It's a case that is um, part of the records of the Victorian Supreme Court. And you'll also find a URL there to link you to the case, those case notes. So we're in the state of Victoria and we're within the jurisdiction of the Supreme Court, Victoria. And that's on slide number five. We're dealing with the law of negligence. Uh, as I said, we're not really going to look at the law of negligence in any detail, but what we're talking about with negligence is a breach of the duty of care. So we have affected residents seeking to sue Casey City Council for allowing houses to be built on or near a decommissioned landfill site. This was a group action. What that means is that there was many affected residents, so they grouped together to bring their um, grievances to the council and the EPA. And we have a settlement or an agreement between the parties rather than the court having to deliver a finding. So in that sense, there is no full judgment of the case, as we've seen with the other examples that we've looked at over preceding weeks. But what that also means is that there's no precedent with this case because it's not a court case, because the court has not been asked to, um, to rule on questions of law. There is no precedent, so there's no, uh, no opportunity from this case for the law to, uh, to develop 
in that sense from from a precedent. So what are the details? These, this is information that you'll find on slide six and seven. We have a historic landfill site, a site that was not lined and is without adequate containment barriers to prevent the lateral or sideways movement of gases. There's a diagram on slide eight, which shows you in a bit more detail what we're talking about. When the landfill was shut down, it was capped at the surface. So it was sealed over the top. But because there was no lining of the, uh, of the landfill site at the time that it was initially constructed, uh, or there was no uh, barrier to prevent sideways movement of gases, there was uh, nothing to contain any waste gases from um, being kept within the historic landfill site and you can see maps on slide 9 that relate to the, the area. Now within the record that we have of the case there is um, some comment from the judge about the lining uh, on slide 10. This is the lining issue, the lining of the historic landfill site. On slide 10 it's, uh, it's noted that there was no requirement for lining by the Environment Protection Authority but subsequently there was a requirement for gas extra a gas extraction system to be installed but that had not occurred by 2006 so in 2002 there was a requirement from the EPA to install a gas extraction system at the uh, landfill site. But that's something that had not been put in place by 2006, uh, following the closure of the, the landfill in the preceding year. And in 2007, the EPA ended up issuing a pollution abatement notice against the council, which included the requirement to prevent lateral movement of gases beyond the boundary of the former landfill site see more about that on slide 11. There were further notices issued as well as evacuation orders associated with the houses and that's on uh, you'll see see more about that on slide 12 because remember there um, there were dangerous levels explosively dangerous levels of methane gas being recorded in some instances within the uh, the residences and their associated yards. So the residences, the residents that had been affected by these um, gas leakages from the landfill site sought damages or they sought compensation. And they engaged in alternate dispute resolution prior to taking the matter into the court. Why did they do that? Well, often alternate dispute resolution is used prior to entering into the court because the court is an adversarial system. What do we mean by that? Well, within the court, there's always a winner and there's always a loser. The court will find 
for one side of the case and that will be against the other side of the case. With an alternate dispute resolution mechanism you have the opportunity to reach a mutual agreement about how you'd like to settle the matter. So it can uh, result in a, in a win-win situation or in the best uh, agreed solution between the parties. So you can see more about the damages claim that the residents were making on slide 13 and as an overview of what the, uh, the result was, which we will go on to discuss in a bit more detail. On slide 14 we can see that the settlement reached was for $23.5 million. The Casey Council was uh, to pay $13.5 million and the Victorian EPA was to pay $10 million. $17.25 million was to be used for compensation of affected residents. $6 million was to be used to cover the residents' legal costs in undertaking the settlement process or undertaking the, the resolution process which led to the settlement. And then there was $250,000 which was tagged as, uh, as costs, future legal costs to be incurred in the implementation of the settlement. That's the, uh, the administration and implementation of the settlement process. So this was what everyone involved was willing to accept. As I said, instead of, instead of the, uh, the alternative, which is to take it to court and let the court decide what the outcome is. And that's uh, an outcome that, that may or may not be in the favour of the affected residents. So in this case, the residents were able to achieve this substantial settlement which is not something that could have been guaranteed had they gone to court. It's important to remember too that the settlement itself doesn't actually solve the landfill site problem. That's a problem that the council still has to deal with, uh, but it does provide the affected re residents with compensation. So the problem of the, the lateral gas movement from this um, prior landfill site uh, is, is one that still exists at the time of settlement and it's still something that the council has to do something about. Um, but um, what the settlement does is provide the residents with some relief for the damages that they've suffered as a consequence of that, uh, of that gas pollution. Now one other consequence of having an agreed settlement through a dispute resolution process is that the residents agree to drop the court action. So they've reached a settlement with the council, they've agreed on what the compensation is going to be and what the processes are moving forward and in return for that the affected residents drop their threat to take the council to court. 
course, that doesn't mean that they can't take the council to court because if there is a breach of the settlement, then that would be uh, a trigger that would allow the matter to be taken before the court because the settlement hasn't been um, followed through. So if you look at slide 16, you'll see that there are a number of um, reasons that the residents could still bring the action to court uh, if if they needed to um, for, for the various reasons listed there on slide number 16. Now what are some of the advantages of having this dispute resolution rather than a court action? This is something you'll find on slide 17. Well, the, the dispute resolution settlement allows for a timely settlement. It allows for known costs. Uh, and what we're talking about here is both financial and psychological. So you can have an outcome in a reasonably good time frame and you can get some certainty about what the, uh, the costs are in terms of money, so what your legal costs are going to be as well as what sort of compensation you're going to get and you know that your, um, you know, that the psychological issues or aspect is associated with the dispute resolution process rather than having to prepare for an adversarial court process. Turning to slide 18, you can see that the settlement provides a certainty of outcome. So you have to remember that if the matter did go into the court, there was no guarantee that the residents would be entitled to damages if the court could not establish negligent action in law. So to go through the, um, the dispute resolution process and come to an agreed settlement was possibly the best outcome that the affected residents could obtain because had the matter gone to the court, um, there certainly was no guarantee that the residents would be able to obtain similar sort of damages. Talked a little bit before about even though this is a, a dispute resolution process, we still have this court record of the case and we still have the court involved in the case. Well, so what's going on there? If you look at slide 19, you can see uh, that this is because of legislation in Victoria, in particular under Section 33V of the Supreme Court Act of 1986 in Victoria. The court has a role to examine the settlement to determine if it's fair and reasonable, and if so, to approve it. So even though you had this alternate dispute resolution process going on between the parties outside of the court, um, once that process had agreed a settlement, there was then a need for that settlement to go before the court, for the court to determine whether or not it was fair and reasonable. So the court, in, in doing this, it's fulfilling a public policy role to ensure that there is a degree of fairness in the, uh, in the dispute resolution process. 
so it's it's fulfilling a sort of a um, an oversight or standard setting role if you like recognizing that the you know, the whole purpose of a dispute resolution process is to operate outside of the court however giving the court this this role of saying at the end of that process let's take a look at the agreed settlement and determine whether or not that's fair and reasonable it's giving the court this oversight function to ensure in the public interest that uh, that settlements are indeed fair and reasonable now turning to slide 20 um, where there's a uh, some reinforcement of the limitations of the court process. Now, if the residents were to expect by taking the case to court that um, that would clear the air and satisfy their need for answers, there was no guarantee that that would be the case. So just like there was no guarantee that the court would provide the residents with compensation, there's also no guarantee that going through a trial to um, ascertain whether or not the council and EPA had been negligent. There's no guarantee that that would clear the air to the satisfaction of the aggrieved residents. So the point here is that civil litigation in, in negligence is not really about punishment and retribution. That's the area of environmental crime and we will look at that in the last lecture of this trimester um, what am I talking about with environmental crime well if you take the example of toxic waste dumping you know, that's a particular environmental crime for which there are criminal offences um, and there is an element of punishment and retribution involved with a criminal offence but we're not talking about criminal offences here we're talking about the alleged negligence of the council to take adequate care in what they're doing around this former landfill site so is the settlement that's been reached through an alternative dispute resolution perfect what are some of the benefits, in other words, of having this approach to settlement outside of the court system? It can save time and money. It can also avoid publicity, which can be a benefit if you wanted to keep um, you know, the negotiations and details out of the public spotlight. It means that an agreement can be reached rather than there being only one winner and one loser and this is uh, information that you'll find on slide number 23 when we talk about alternate dispute resolution we're not talking about one process alone there are a number of alternatives and these are things like negotiation between parties there can be a mediation, which is where the resolution is um, is moderated by a mediator, or there can be an arbitration where where a um, a person is appointed to 
to make some decisions about what the resolution should be between the parties. So these are different types of resolution processes, but all occurring um, outside the adversarial court system. However, they can be part of a court proceeding as well, um, because often courts, particularly in relation to planning and environment matters, will include dispute resolution mechanisms as a part of their formal court processes. And that's something that we'll, I'll go on to talk about um, in the next episode of the podcast. So just to finish off this episode, having taken note of what some of the um, the benefits of the dispute resolution process are on slide 23, looking at what those alternative different alternatives are within dispute resolution, and acknowledging that it can be part of a formal court proceeding as well as being complete uh, an option that's completely separate from the court. Um, the final benefit being that it involves an enforceable binding agreement. So with the settlement, you effectively end up with an agreement or a contract between the parties about, about what the resolution is and what needs to be done going forward. And that contract is an enforceable undertaking. So it can be, um, if breached, action can be taken to have it enforced. So that's where I'll leave it for this episode and we'll come back in the next episode to talk about how alternate dispute resolution is used by the courts.